Hello, and welcome to the commentary for Lesson 362, Isaiah's uh, chapters 11 and 12. And when we left off in the last lesson, um, we learned about how God was going to allow Assyria to conquer his people, but there was hope for them that he would restore them through the remnant. And so this is a continuation of that prophecy. Verse 1 says, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root, and the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Now, as it continues through verse 5, it gives all of these um, qualities of this shoot. Now the King James Version set instead of shoot it uses the name rod and we know that this is one of the words used back then to describe the coming Messiah. They had all these um, words to describe what they expected. They were always waiting on the Messiah. And so we remember that King David was the second king of Israel followed by Saul the first and that in the beginning, there was one kingdom of Israel. It was all combined. And later it separated. After David's son Solomon dies, the kingdom divides into the north and the south. Remember that? So as we go forward in these scriptures, we're going to see reference to Israel, Ephraim, Samaria. All of those refer, refer to the northern territory of Israel, also called Israel. And then when we hear the words Judah or Jerusalem, which is the capital of Judah, know that that refers to the south, the southern kingdom of Israel, also known as Judah. So just so we kind of get our bearings of what exactly it's talking about and where we're coming from. So after King uh, David, after his son Solomon dies, the kingdom divides. And you will notice, I'm going to skip ahead real quickly because as it relates to that topic of the kingdom divided, when you go forward to verse 13, it says, then at last the jealousy between Israel and Judah will end. They will not be rivals anymore. So it's talking about that divided kingdom. It will come back together and they will conquer the nations to the east. They will occupy the lands of Edom and Moab and Ammon will obey them. So they will conquer lands once they unite back together. And that hasn't happened yet, okay? There is the first coming of Christ is when he came and he lived among the people. He was born to a, a virgin and he lived and taught and was later crucified. That was the first coming, but we're still waiting on a second coming. And so a lot of this prophecy in Isaiah refers to things that haven't yet happened, um, we are still waiting on these things. Okay, let's go back to verse 6. Verse 6 through, really through verse 8, it talks about, In that day the wolf and the lamb will live together, the leopard and will lie down with the baby goat, the calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion, and the little child will lead them all. Um, if you're like me, I grew up seeing pictures of heaven in my little children's Bible. I remember vividly a picture of all the animals, kind of the lion laying down with the lamb and a little child playing next to them. Well, now I know that that picture was based on scripture and scripture's um, 
gives a visual picture of what that will be like in heaven. And it is interesting, I think, that when you think back to um, the Garden of Eden, God originally made people and animals to live in harmony and nobody ate anybody. Animals didn't eat people. People didn't eat animals. Everybody ate off the land. And that was how God's original design was. So it is interesting that here we have a description of heaven and what will come in eternity, what God has in store for us. And it's to return to that unity where, um, you know, our children, this was kind of a bummer, I'll just say, because it says the baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. Yes, a little child will put his hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Well, dang it, I really don't like snakes, and they're going to be even in heaven with me. So, God, I hope you take away that fear in heaven, because whether they're harmless or not, I'm not liking them. I don't like the idea that they're going to be there. I don't want my baby playing next to a hole of a cobra. Just saying. Anyway, so, but all the animals will live in peace and harmony with the people. It sounds like kumbaya. Sounds a little um, unrealistic, but we know that all things are possible with God and that he, you know, we have these laws that we have to follow, um, earthly laws that God is not bound by those. So it makes sense that his kingdom in eternity would not be bound by that either. So, okay. Verse 10 says, in that day, the heir to David's throne, which is speaking of Jesus. Okay. Because we know that from the line of David, um, leads to Jesus will be a banner of salvation to all the world. Now, This is basically, you know, the banner, we remember back in Old Testament when they were talking about all the different tribes, they all had their banners. And so the banners were basically like the American flag represents the United States. So they all had their banners that represented their tribe, their land. And so in verse 10, when it says, in that day, the heir to David's throne, Jesus, will be a banner of salvation to all the world. It will be basically saying to all foreign nations, look, we are the people of God. We believe in Jesus, the Messiah. And foreign nations will see that banner. They will know who we are, what we're about, and eventually, as it all plays out, those nations will want to come They will see, scripture tells us that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Somehow everyone will see, we we know this in Revelation, they will see Jesus and they will know that he is the Messiah and they will want to know more about that Messiah. They will have to. So verse 12 says, in that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to bring back the remnant of his people those who remain in Assyria and northern Egypt and southern southern Egypt, Ethiopia and Elam. We've seen that before in scripture. I don't even remember where, but that, um, and maybe it's in Revelation too, that, that God will collect his people back to the Holy Land, back to, um, back to the promised land, basically. Um, verse 12, he will raise a flag among the nations and assemble the exiles of Israel. I went to Easy English for a lot of my studies, and I liked this 
It said, Raising a flag is a picture in words. In a battle, the commander's flag was flying high for all to see. In this way, his forces kept together under his orders or control. So when we think about that, in this verse, the flag was reminding the world that the Lord really controls history and that he controls the nations, their activities, and the nations will not be able to stop the return of God's people to their own land. That is God's plan. And so there's nothing any other nation can do to prevent it, though they may try, I'm sure. Um, and then verse 13, I, I talked about this earlier. The jealousy between Israel and Judah will end. Those two divided kingdoms will have unity once again, and they will conquer um, they will conquer neighboring lands. Now, verses 15 and 16, I'm just going to read because this is really curious to me. I looked through commentary. I looked in my study Bible. I looked, um, I kind of read everything I naturally go to, and I didn't find much about this. Um, but let me just read those scriptures. It says, the Lord will make a dry path through the Gulf of the Red Sea. Okay, now we know that he divided the Red Sea when Moses led the people of Israel out of captivity from Egypt. Um, but this is like he's going to do it again. The Lord will make a dry path through the Gulf of the Red Sea. He will wave his hand over the Euphrates River, sending a mighty wind to divide it into seven streams so it can be easily crossed on foot. Now, if we look at a map of the Middle East. Then and now, it's the same as far as the Euphrates River. The Euphrates and Tigris River. So you have the Middle East, um, the eastern, basically the eastern border of the Mediterranean Sea, right? Mediterranean Sea, Europe is above it. To the east of it is the land of Canaan, the promised land, basically. East of that, further east of that, is... Um, you know that big boot, Saudi Arabia, that kind of looks like a big army boot? Um, it's kind of on the right side of that. Anyways, I like to visualize where these are. So you have the Euphrates and you have the Tigris. And they basically form kind of like a V and they empty into the Persian Gulf. Okay, between Saudi Arabia and Persia. So there is no, as far as I can tell, it has never split into seven streams, as God says. Um, I don't know if that's metaphorical or if that's literal, but this obviously, because it's not something we can put our hands on that has happened yet, this must refer to something that will happen leading, most likely leading up to the second coming of Christ, right? That makes sense. And then 16 says, he will make a highway for the remnant of his people, the remnant coming from Assyria, just as he did for Israel long ago when they returned from Egypt. So he's going to do it again. That is kind of awe-inspiring when you think of all that God's done for his people in the past. And we are still living in the times of this prophecy. This prophecy is still useful for us. This isn't irrelevant information. This is very relevant um, in our lives today. And as we look forward to what is to come, we can 
we can read the prophecy of Isaiah and say, okay, I may not understand this. I may not understand what this is going to look like or how this is going to happen. Um, I don't know. I'm sure some Bible scholars think that they do know, but I don't know if this is metaphorical or literal. It is my belief that most things are literal. So this could very well be something that literally happens um, before the second coming of Christ. And then moving on, when we go to Isaiah chapter 12, it has songs of praise salvation of for salvation. And I just love this. Verse 4 says, In that wonderful day you will sing thank thank you, thank the Lord, praise his name. They're they're saying, you know, we know this is gonna happen. And he's promised this through the prophet Isaiah so we can be sure that we will have redemption, that God will bring his remnant back to his fold and he will care for us and he will love us and we will live in eternity with him and he has great things in store for us. And they haven't even met Jesus yet and they knew that this was to come. So I'm just going to read through this because it's so beautiful. In that day you will sing, I will praise you, O Lord. You were angry with me, but not anymore. Now you comfort me. See, God has come to save me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. With joy you will drink deeply from the fountain of salvation. In that wonderful day you will sing, Thank the Lord. Praise his name. Tell the nations what he has done. Let them know how mighty he is. Sing to the Lord, for he has done wonderful things. Make known his praise around the world. Let all the people of Jerusalem shout his praise with joy, for great is the Holy One of Israel who lives among you. God lives among us. He's still here. Um, He lives among his people. And those that know, that believe in God, that believe that Jesus is the Son of God, we have the Spirit living in us. This should remind us the way that the Israelites rejoiced and had a song of praise to tell the nations stuff that even hasn't even happened yet. But they are sure that it will because God has promised them that it will. And that's a beautiful thing. Now, we have things in our lives that have really happened, that God has really worked things out in our lives in such a way that we know that he is real. So I'm telling you, we've talked about this before, share God's glory with a story, right? We all have stories and we're not to um, keep those under wraps and keep them as our own private testimony. We are to share those. He gave us, us those stories so that we could share, so that others would come to know him. So I think that's a beautiful reminder um, that they did that and that we should do that too. So really, that's it for today. It's just, you know, the prophecy referring to Jesus, how he will come, how we will live in eternity. Um, The parting of the Red Sea thing was very interesting, or not the parting of the Red Sea, but he will wave his hand over the Euphrates River Um, divided into seven streams. I don't get it, but we have to believe it's true because it is prophecy most likely about the second coming of Christ. And then songs of praise for salvation. Praise him even before he's done his good works because we know he will. He promises us he will. 
And in, in the case where he has done good works, we do need to be diligent to share that. It is our obligation. Even if we're a little nervous about it, God will let us know the right time and situation to share those things. That's really it for today. Um, I am on a the end of a three-day fast. So if I feel, if I seem like I'm a little more with it today than usual, I kind of am because I've been juicing for three days because my gut was feeling really yuck. And I just thought, man, after that storm, I ate so much comfort food and junk food and we were just like hunkered down, doing nothing, eating junk. And I felt horrible. So um, had to clean out. And today's day three. So I am just kind of, I was starving yesterday. Um, but today is a little better, so I'm feeling, feeling good. I don't know. I, I was planning to stop after today, but maybe I'll continue it if I'm not feeling hungry because I feel really good. But, Anyways, that's it for today. I hope you all have a great day, and I will talk to you soon.